welcome to the latest We Are Sailing podcast. I'm Nick Johnson and I'm joined by Chairman Mike Goodwin and Director Terry Ward. We look forward to the return of spectators to the Technique Stadium. We talk about the sale of match tickets for the final home game of the season and we discuss future plans for the stadium and other facilities. We're also joined by Andy Phantom, the club's Chief Financial Officer, who talks about the importance of the loan received recently and we look at the finances in relation to the strengthening of the first team squad. Terry kicks us off by talking about the state of the stadium when the Community Trust took over the running of the club. Well, not a very good state, to be perfectly honest, because it had been mothballed for five to six months uh, because of the first lockdown situation. Um, and it is obviously, when we got in and had a good look round, that there had been nothing really spent on it for maybe four or five years or so. Um, all the certification uh, had lapsed all for the um, essential services and non-essential services um, and there was a lot of things that really needed some uh, very uh, urgent attention. That was our um, objective to start with and uh, under normal circumstances because uh, when we took over we hadn't got an enormous amount of funding available to us. Uh, and it would have been a challenge, but under COVID it's become even a bigger challenge to get things done. Um, so, well, we set off uh, with all sorts of things. The first thing was to do was to get all the certificates uh, sorted out, uh, which we managed to do, and um, you know, fire risk assessments and uh, structural engineers report that we are required to do uh, on, a, on an annual basis and then get the certificates for fire safety, uh, security, PA systems, CCTV, all these various systems that the stadium uh, needs um, for both match days and non-match days. Um, and, and really that was our priority and that's what we managed to do. Um, and then we were going to try and get the ground ready uh, in September for matches uh, starting in October for the delayed season um, and we were almost ready for it. We got um, um, plans approved by the safety advisory group and uh, we were going to go on sale on uh, Tuesday the 22nd of September uh, and then Mr Gove came on breakfast time television and said no supporters all behind closed doors. So we were thwarted the first time and then uh, in December when we were in tier two we tried to, um, we, st we started again with uh, getting supporters back in and at that time we were restricted because of the tier systems and we were going for a capacity of about 2000 uh, but then before and we'd got sort of uh, agreement to this um, from the authorities and then we were put into tier four so we were thwarted a second time so we're hoping it's third time lucky when we go for supporters back for the match at home on the 22nd of May uh, but there's been an awful lot of work to do to get the stadium ready uh, for supporters back in and uh, we've got to thank enormously uh, the volunteers the volunteer squad uh, we've got a squad of about 14 people that have been well they first came in just before Christmas and and, and tidied up the whole of the uh, of, of the stadium but um, since Christmas um, 
in the new year, February, March, and then later on in April onwards, um, we've started to do some serious work like um, clearing all the concourses out, painting the toilet walls, painting the uh, concourse walls, um, really trying to fettle everything. We've also having to replace a lot of seats which, were, which had been broken uh, and that's uh, scheduled out. But one of the biggest problems we had was um, the deposits left by pigeons because um, from literally February last year um, with no supporters and nobody looking after the place the pigeons found five or six hundred or more pigeons found this place to be a convenient place to roost and to live in um, and we spent a lot of money initially in September clearing all the pigeon deposits away um, but then we, we weren't allowed supporters in so uh, since last September they've been back and um, enjoyed uh, their time here again roosting and um, depositing what they leave behind and it's been very difficult so we've also got that underway as we speak uh, the, the whole stadium is being cleaned once again ready for work to be done both on replacing the seat backs uh, putting stickers on the seats where people can sit and where they can't sit and um, just getting it ready in a way that um, when we come back the supporters will feel comfortable hopefully comfortable and secure and that's basically what we've been working on can I say Terry that you've done a, a fantastic job I mean the club's been really lucky and very fortunate that it's had somebody of your knowledge and ability to be able to get this lot underway because it has been a huge huge task and you're telling me that we've got something like is it 5,000 seat backs that we have to change uh, it's not, not quite as many as that but um, we're having to replace quite a, f a number particularly in the north stand and the south stand that are absolutely broken this is just the backs of the seats really um, and and but there are very few in the east and the west so all seat backs that we will be replacing will uh, salvage the good ones uh, that aren't broken in any way and use those to be able to um, make good any that are broken in either the east stand or the west stand so that's that's the plan basically that's fantastic and and i'm sure the stadium will look um pristine when we come back in i mean the, well hopefully right. it will look pristine inside yeah. uh, but you see we've still got a big job to do on the stadium going forward uh, and one of the things we really need to do is to get it cleaned externally because it, it is looking uh, a little bit tired uh, there's a lot of um, coloration on the on the on the brickwork and the cladding and there are some broken or deformed louvers that we need to replace so there's going to be an ongoing maintenance requirement uh, to get this stadium looking like it was 12 years ago yeah um, and and so that everybody can be uh, proud of it and um, yeah. think well you're the man to do it Terry you built the thing so um, I'm sure that we'll get <laughs> well, that I didn't right. actually build it I designed it but, uh, <laughs> we had contractors in to, to build it and they did a very good job actually um, so yeah yeah it was an exciting time um, and it was brand new and we had five years we were spoiled by five years of really good football um, and uh, the uh, capacities went up I think the average capacity in the last season at Saltergate was 
3,960. Uh, but there is this new stadium effect phenomenon that lasts for about five years uh, where uh, uh, average attendances can increase by at least 50% and I think at times we, we did get over the 7,000 for quite uh, capacity for quite a few games during the season um, and that lasted for about five years and then as we all know um, things started to deteriorate on the pitch over the last four or five years, so exactly. um, yeah. so that's where we are. Well, really. hopefully the good times are just round the corner again, and uh, yeah, once we get our supporters back in, we'll get the place rocking. A nice clean ground. Yeah, nice clean ground, and uh, with a lot of uh, expectations, a lot of optimism, uh, and nothing that we don't deserve. Well, I know we've been having a word with um, our resident finance guy, Andy Phantom, who'll be along very shortly but we've been uh, lobbying him to get some uh, money put on one side in next year's budget so that we have actually have an annual contribution akin to a re repair and renewals reserve uh, so that you've got the money to get the stadium to where it needs to be. Yes, absolutely. It's, um, it's, uh, we want something in the budget every year really uh, for planned maintenance uh, so that we can keep on top of the job uh, and we can make improvements where we need to do. Um, there are several things that I would like to do uh, within the stadium, like making sure that the um, floodlights are on the um, emergency generator so that we don't lose a match because the floodlights uh, can't be, uh, if they go out because of a power failure from the mains supply. So there's a lot of things that we can actually do uh, to make the stadium even better and attract um, representative matches and just get back to where we wanted to be right from the beginning. Yeah, and it's not just been the stadium and the fabric of the stadium as well, has it, Terry? It's actually been the playing surface. The playing surface when we took over was shocking. Yeah. And as people look at now when the, when the crowds come back in, it's not brilliant at the moment. It's better than a lot, but it's not very good. It's not where it was before. Um, and we've had to talk to our, um, our contractors and come up with um, a schedule so over the next couple of years we can actually get it back to the position that it was maybe five, six years ago. Yes, indeed. There's no reason why the pitch should be in the condition it is at the moment, other than it's, it's had nothing really spent on it. Yeah, it's just been uh, neglect, hasn't it? You know, it's a hybrid pitch, uh, uh, grass with reinforced by polypropylene fibres uh, to help with um, the wear and tear. Um, there's no reason why this pitch can't be as good as it was for the first four or five years uh, when we enjoyed. Um, well, one of the best playing surfaces in the leagues. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get it back there, I've got no doubt. This is just, you know, a very slow process to get back to where we need to be. You know, we've, we've only been here, you know, six, seven months. Yeah. So it, it will take a little bit of time, but um, all the plans are in place. You know, we know what we're doing. Um, so we will get there. And one we, of the things... And all refurbished. I mean, we've not talked about... Uh, when this stadium was built, the plan was for it to be a 365-day-a-year venue. Uh, not just uh, 30 or 40 matches per year, but to make it work all year round as the premier hosp hospitality and banqueting and conference centre in this part of Derbyshire. And um, so there are things to do internally as well. Um, the lounges could do with a refurbishment. That's not a priority, but it's something we ought to be planning for. Uh, we'll have to look at the kitchen again because that's 12 years old and we need to look to see whether or not we need to um, review and um, revise and help 
I'm sure Paul would like us to invest in some new equipment in there. They'll yes. be wanting the latest state-of-the-art stuff. Yes, exactly, because it is 12 years old, yeah, really. And um, so we've got to keep pace with the times. Um, and this is what we hope to do, just to keep this stadium in, in the state that we all want it to be, really. Yeah. I mean, we've just set up a, an estate subgroup, haven't we, Terry? Um, yes. Of maybe four of our directors plus uh, a trustee of uh, the community trust to actually look at the whole footprint of uh, of the site and also um, other areas um, such as um, you know training grounds and um, supporters bars and uh, that sort of stuff. Um, that's going to meet on a fortnightly basis in in the short term, isn't it? Well, it is, and uh, the purpose really of this estates group is to try and maximise the development potential that we have here. Uh, and to see if we can uh, do things in such a way uh, that, that, that creates a centre of excellence for the trust, community trust, the football club and the community. And that's really what we're attempting to do. And we've talked about a number of things like um, some of the things that, uh, that we're on with at the moment to try and achieve in the not too distant future uh, in terms of uh, an important thing, a supporters bar for the stadium. And this isn't just a supporters bar that will hopefully be open just on match days, but this again is a 365 day a year venue. We want this to be a supporters bar that, that can be used seven days a week. Um, so we're working on that. Uh, we're also working hard and, uh, on a 3G pitch on Stand Road. Uh, that the Football Foundation are going to give us a grant of half a million pounds. Uh, so we're, we're underway with that, we're negotiating leases with the, um, the Borough Council and uh, we're negotiating and getting programmes together for who plays on it and it, won't, it will be mainly um, uh, used by the Trust in terms of their educational programmes and their sports science BTECs and uh, the education programs that the trust bring to us but we also uh, want it to be used for some grassroots clubs some uh, some community clubs so again there's a community involvement so we're putting a program together uh, for that uh, and then we'll be submitting it to um, the football foundation and to uh, the derbyshire fa so we hope that soon um, we will have a 3G pitch on Stan Road that uh, will be a massive, massive uh, asset to us going forward. On, on that one, Terry, will um, will community groups be able to hire that as well? So yes, exactly. For the whole yeah. of the community as well as the yeah, football club and the trust as well, won't it? We're programming in such a way that the trust take uh, priority on it, but there will be times available um, over the weekends or in the evenings, for example, where local community clubs can come and train and play matches on it and um, and you know this is being worked out now so uh, we want it to be again um, to benefit not just the trust and the club but also the community because yeah. we are a, a community trust and we're a community-based organization and we want to involve the community as much as we possibly can because we've got 10 years to catch up uh, because the, uh, we've not been involved with the community for 10 years in any meaningful way. As a football club? As a, the Trust have as a football club. As a football club, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Um, and so that's, um, 
supporters bar, a 3G pitch on Stan Road, and what we'd also like to do is to try and get a state-of-the-art training facility. So that's something else we're hoping to start negotiating on soon. And there's all sorts of other things like uh, advertising around the site so that we can get generate more income because um, we've got to generate income and one of the main purposes of this estates group is to see where the best opportunities come from that will help us to generate as much income as we possibly can um, going forward to be as sustainable as we can financially. And what we'll be doing is bringing experts into the group as and when we need to use them, like land agents and, and people of that help, won't we? Yes, exactly, because um, I don't think we've got anybody on the board at the moment who is, um, who's an expert in, in, in sort of professional agency and know what is the best return or what use brings in the best return at this moment in time. And it can vary uh, from... Uh, from all manner of different types of uses. So we'll be seeking professional expert advice as to how we go forward on this. So it won't be something that we just dream up ourselves. No, no, it's exciting times. Um, one of the most pressing exciting things, I think, Terry, is that uh, everybody's looking forward to the 22nd of May. Oh, yeah. You've been heavily involved in, yeah. in double bubble, treble, treble bubbles and single bubbles, haven't you? Yeah, this is, um, this is a real conundrum, really, but... Um, over you know in, in last September when we were trying to get ready for um, supporters back and in December when we were also already get, trying to get ready for supporters back we're currently uh, making proposals and negotiating with our safety advisory group um, who will who issue the safety certificate and approve uh, what we're allowed to do on match days and uh, we're currently negotiating for the last official match of the season on the 22nd of May for approximately 3,000 fans back in in arrangements on all four stands because uh, the COVID testing centre is going to be gone by the 7th of May so we've got our the whole of the stadium back effectively and so we'll be able to use all four stands and we hope that by uh, having a, a combination of uh, three-seat groups, two-seat groups and single seats, uh, we can get this figure of nearly 3,000 people and, and something like 34 wheelchairs and 34 carers so that we get um, a, a good representative, diverse sort of uh, opportunity to get supporters back and uh, we're hoping that we can go on sale for actual tickets uh, for that match on the 4th of May. That's great news. I mean, I'd like to thank personally as well all of the people who filled the forms in that you asked them to fill in to give us an indication of yeah. you know, whether people will be coming in singles, doubles or trebles because that's helped shape um, how many people can get into the ground. That's right. That questionnaire that we did send out, um, uh, there's been quite uh, nearly 400 500 re replies to it and that has given us a bit of a steer on uh, the proportions of um, treble bubbles double bubbles and single bubbles um, yeah. which has helped us to uh, come to this sort of total um, and we hope to be able to sell all those seats or as many as possible um, from the 4th of May onwards and we're hoping of course it won't be the only match that we have this no, year but that's um, true that's um that's a little way down the line, yeah. We've got our fingers crossed on that yeah. one, yeah. yeah. Um, 
So one of the things that um, uh, has been bandied about is, um, you know, can we put a screen up on the outside of the ground and have people out there? But that's just not possible, is it, under the COVID regulations? Um, well, no, not really, because we uh, we need the car park for car. Well, you can only have a maximum yeah. of 30 people in any group any, yeah. anyway, can't yeah. you? So, um, so we do need you know, uh, the revenue from the car park, um, which, uh, which is a match day revenue that we do rely on. Um, so the idea of a big screen um, is not really uh, sensible um, for us to even consider at this moment in time. No. no. So we're all uh, getting ready for the, the return of spectators. I know that we, uh, we can't wait to, uh, to see the fans back in the stadium and uh, all the details of course are on the, uh, the club website as to the priority for uh, tickets. And uh, it's, that's been a real job in itself, Terry, just to determine how they're going to be uh, prioritised. Well, yes, um, I think I'll hand over to the chairman to discuss this one more than me, because um, uh, it, it is, uh, it is uh, an interesting situation as to who, who gets first choice for the tickets, really. But I think, Mike, we know basically what we want to do. Yeah, I mean, we, we've always promised season ticket holders that they would be um, first people in the line because they're the ones who have supported the club um, through thick and thin by paying the money up front. And I know there's a lot of people out there that come, you know, on a game-by-game -game basis, and if we can fit any more in, we will. It, it depends what the take-up is like from season ticket holders to start with. And, and this is not just season ticket holders from uh, uh, last season, but it's also new season ticket holders? Yes, yes, they'll be in the pot as well. I mean, it, it depends how many season tickets we have when we get to that cut-off date. Um, but what we will need to do is uh, then maybe, if we've got too many, is to prioritise the longest-serving season ticket holders first. Yeah. Um, and then we'll see how we go. But um, I don't think we'll be too far off. I, I think we had something like 2,700 season ticket holders um, before. Um, I don't know whether all those people will take theirs up or not. Um, by the, what did you say, the 5th of May? Uh, 4th of May. 4th of May. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll look at it at that time. Uh, I know that we have had quite a number of new season ticket holders um, buy um, their seats for next season already. Um, and of course they will, they will be able to um, buy tickets if there are some left after we've had the initial allocation. Um, it is important if, in a sense, I mean there'll be um, some uh, good instructions as to who can buy what tickets in what in what groups um, but uh, what we are looking for is to sell as many three seat groups as possible because if we can sell the three seat groups as much as as many as we've got then that helps enormously in getting as close to this three thousand approximate three thousand capacities yeah, yeah. Um, so um, You'll be told how uh, who can buy three seat groups, what sort of bubble you've got to be in, and um, who you can sit with, etc. Um, and there'll be, in addition to all that, there'll be a uh, code of conduct that spectators are going to have to comply with, um, which is something that we we have to do uh, uh, to um, to help to get. Um, our safety advisory group to uh, be sure that we are taking sufficient COVID mitigation measures so that everybody that comes uh, to the match can feel secure and can feel comfortable that they're not in any threat. Yeah. 
and the um, safety advisory group will scrutinise all the way down the line, won't it, to make sure that we are yes. yeah. complying with that. Yes. Yeah, of course they will. Well, Terry, I must say it's been a, a solid podcast debut from you today, so thanks for your input. Just one final thing, when we were talking about your role in the construction of the uh, the stadium, the design of it, and I think, how much pride do you get from seeing what actually appeared here, you know, from uh, an old factory that was demolished and then uh, you see a brand new stadium emerging. How much pride did that give you when the uh, the stadium opened? Well, um, it was a remarkable uh, series of developments really because we were still trying to get approval for the new stadium uh, on the old dog track mm-hmm. up at Wielding Mill. And, but the local authority, the Chesterfield Borough Council, um, had just uh, made two, uh, two new appointments in, um, in the planning department, John Wright and Mike Hayden, who were regeneration specialists. And very fortunately, they phoned us up one day in August 2004 and said, um, uh, never mind the Wielder Mill, how do, you f- how do you feel about the Dima Glass site? Well, uh, I did. I did. I was there when we, they phoned up, and I did see Barry Hubbard getting more excited than I've ever seen him get excited in my <laughs> time, uh, because he, he he thought that was a phenomenal um, opportunity for us, and it was quite interesting, really, because the um, what we did then. I did a quick uh, master plan of this twenty-five acre site. And I managed to draw um, a stadium in a 10-acre area uh, and put in other things that were uh, according to um, uh, the the, the local planning authorities' policies with um, industrial units and some housing, etc., etc. But I think the developers, um, Wilson Bowden, really did you know did a remarkable job by um, managing to get to a Tesco superstore on the site and in doing so uh, we managed to get 10 acres for a peppercorn and so it was a really good deal for us and um, and the Borough Council had also at that time gone out to some specialist planning consultants in Manchester to do a regeneration study of the A61 corridor uh, and it all started to come together so we knew that from 2004-2005 onwards we'd be on the old Dima Glass site um, and it was very important I remember again Mr Hub- uh, Chairman Hubbard saying well we don't want it to be known as the Dima Glass Stadium so immediately as soon as we could we got sponsorship uh, from B2Net uh, the IT company and it was starting and we called it the B2Net Stadium right from then on because he certainly didn't want it to be known as the Dima Glass Stadium and then we had a lot of fun planning it out and develop and, and delivering it really and it was a big big team effort uh, between all concerned and um, it was just brilliant and it worked and um, the strap line even when in those days when I was doing a press conference to the local press um, with with Andy Morris uh, and we were we were talking about it and and the strap line at the time was the club is the hub and I think we've now got an opportunity to make sure that that really is true
Pleased that we're joined by uh, Andy Phantom, our Chief Finance Officer, so uh, welcome Andy. Thank you very much. And uh, we're going to talk about, of course, uh, with you being here, the, the finances, and uh, I'm sure that uh, there was a great sigh of relief when that uh, loan of around £1 million was approved. Yes, absolutely. Uh, it was a very lengthy process and a lot of information was requested, as you would expect for a loan of that size. Uh, from Sport England but you have to go right back to, to last October and, and remember that at first we had three months worth of grants and then suddenly expecting grants in January we had nothing and we had a couple of months where we had no income at all and this loan is really to replace the grant money we would have expected to receive way back from October when we weren't given as much as we thought we would do at first. Uh, one of the chairmen of, of the National League of a National League club, he calculated what the average attendances over the last two years would be for all the National League teams because it was supposed to be allocated on that basis. Uh, and we were probably £60,000 per month short of what we expected to receive in the grants. So by the time we got to Christmas we were running 200000 behind before we even made the loan application. So yeah, the funds were very welcome by the time they were received. Mike, um... Yeah, I'd just like to say a big thank you to Andrew because I know that he's been burning the midnight oil and I actually saw the forms that came in from Sport England and um, they weren't a couple of pages, they were significant in terms of the amount of information that they requested, which was fair enough but um, you know, you did a brilliant job Andrew mm -hmm. and I'd just like to say on record now that your appointment has been a great appointment and um, you know, thank it's you. really, really helped the club significantly and I've got total confidence in in our financial position now and where we're going. Now a few people have um, questioned the amount of, of players that, that have been brought in and um, is the club managing the, the finances properly in, in that regard with, with the, the wage bill etc. So what would you say to, uh, to anyone uh, asking those sort of questions? Yeah, I mean, I know that we have um, on paper quite a large playing squad, but a, n a number of those players are furloughed, and and that's been within the HMRC scheme. Um, we weren't first looked to furlough players that um, uh, were either injured or, or not required, and we won't be the last. And um, I think Andrew will confirm that um, we spoke to a number of clubs, and they were surprised that we hadn't done it way before Christmas. We didn't do it until January. Um, but um, you know, from that point of view, I, I do think that um, we have managed the players that are coming in. I mean, uh, some of the players that we had um, from last season were on significantly higher wages than um, than we thought was um, appropriate for the National League. And I have to say that the business that the new manager has done has been great in yes. terms of bringing the players in. Yeah. They've been brought in on significantly less salaries than, than the other ones. So, you know, from that point of view, that's been. Um, um, really, really um, positive, um, and you know we've got a chief finance officer here who will ensure that this club is solvent and uh, and sustainable going forward, and he won't let us take any risks with that with the money that we've got. So I'm confident that um, the money that we've spent on new players is well within what we have been planning for, um, and certainly next year you will see a different budget for players than than there has been last year and, and this year as well. Yes, that's right, it's significantly less. It's actually 20% less next year than it was this year. And as you say, we inherited a, a lot of legacy players and those contracts run off on the 30th of June this year. 
Um, I mean, I, I welcome the scrutiny that we've had from Sport England and from the National League in having to ratify the deals player by player and, and in providing the figures in such great detail because we've nothing to hide and, and the very fact that we got that money, you'll be aware that some clubs didn't get the money because they were perceived as not needing yeah. as much money as they applied for. So the fact that we got the money is really testament to we needed the money. Yeah. And that allowed us to get to the end of this season. And also, Sport England, together with the National League, um, have scrutinised any new players that we've brought in since the loan. Yes, they have. Yes. So it's not that we've been spending the loan money on new players ad hoc? No, not at all. No, not at all. As I say, a significant chunk of the wage bill will drop off on the 30th of June. We may have seem to have a, a lot of players at the moment, but uh, the average wage cost now is significantly lower than the, the legacy players that we inherited when we took over. Yeah. And just turning our attention to uh, season tickets, of course, vitally important for the club to to attract season ticket holders. We've had a lot of people coming back who were staying away for whatever reason in previous seasons. And uh, just how vital has that been, the, uh, the season ticket money, Andy? Oh, we've had tremendous support on that front. Uh, we've already uh, sold £210,000 worth of tickets, and that money is kept in a separate reserve account ready for next season and is part of next season's budgets. Very welcome, it's clear the support is out there and I would urge you, uh, all the fans that are listening, come and buy your season tickets as soon as you can. It's going to be a great season next season with fans back in. I would say as well, this guy is already, um, with some help from, um, from one of our partners, North East Derbyshire, has um, got next year's budgets almost ready for us now. Um, so the business plan going forward for next year and the year after are already on the um, on the drawing boards, and um, we're ensuring that this club is sustainable for the future. You know, so that it will be here, you know, for the next goodness knows how many years. And it is good, Mike, from your point of view as well, to see the uh, the reaction from the supporters since the, the takeover that they've backed the club solidly. Absolutely, I mean, the supporters are the lifeblood of this club, and there can't be any better supporters in the UK than the ones that we've got here at Chesterfield and they're passionate they'll tell us if they don't like something and that's absolutely fine you know we haven't got a problem with that but whenever we've needed the support whenever we've needed their backing they've always come up trumps i mean you only have to look at some of the crowdfunding that we did and, yeah, tremendous and that was support. amazing you know the way that um they um stepped up to the plate straight away on that so no it's great and and one of the things that we hope to deliver for them in in the near future is a supporters bar i know that they've been wanting one for a long time and uh, as we were talking when uh, Terry was here, you know, the plans um, are coming to fruition now and we're hoping to start moving on that in the, in the near future. And in terms of communication with the supporters, we've tried uh, various different mediums to, uh, to relay the messages. Of course, the podcast that you're listening to now, we also do a regular newsletter and when times are right, we'll be able to invite fans back into the stadium, into the hospitality lounge to uh, to do Q&A sessions as well. Absolutely, yeah, that, that would be on the drawing board as soon as that uh, is, um, is um, able to be done. Um, and as you know, we've got Paul Stankard, who is um, the director in charge of um, supporter engagement. Um, he's produced that uh, supporter engagement strategy for us. Um, and he's currently talking um, with um, Paul Goodwin um, who is going to be uh, one of our lead ambassadors, um, how we can actually help um, supporters down to the ground on the 22nd of May. We're hoping to have the uh, supporter ambassadors 
in place for that game as well. And there'll be a two-way dialogue between supporters and Paul that he'll bring things to the board and, and Paul will take things from the board back to the supporters so that we can have that two-way conversation with them um, ongoing. Now, while supporters haven't been able to attend the stadium, of course, we've had to uh, use the live streams and again, Andy, they've been a, a vital source of revenue. Been very popular. I remember joking with John Crute at the beginning of the season, and uh, he said, "Well, we might get a thousand fans watching these uh, streams." I said, "You must be joking. You know, we'll not get that many, not at all." And we're averaging fifteen hundred, yeah. which is just tremendous. And that's fifteen hundred households, not just fifteen hundred fans. So it just shows you the the level of support that's out there, uh, and, and obviously it does help that we're winning. But uh, fifteen hundred is a tremendous figure. Yeah, I mean, I have to compliment you, Nick, on. Um on the quality of the stream as well because I mean I know people had problems with the Kings Lynn one but throughout the season there have been some that have been good and some that have been maybe not so good I think ours has always been consistently good. definitely yeah the quality is is there for ours and uh, I mean I've logged on to a few of the away ones and they're nowhere near the quality of, mm. uh, of what you're producing here have you got any plans to um, improve it at all Nick is there anything on the drawing boards for that I tell you the, the, the big problem has been I mean the availability of equipment mm. because everybody's live streaming we've had some equipment that's been on order for months and uh, still hasn't arrived really? so uh, it's very difficult now to uh, to get hold of the equipment that you want so we're having to to make do with larger of what we've got we've used students from the university of derby who help with the uh, that's more with the highlights in all honesty because you get the different camera angles but what we wanted to do was link that up to a live uh, feed uh, but it's that equipment that would allow us to do it. So a lot of people in the same boat and so there are different things that we'd like to introduce. We, uh, we have now a, a summariser for every match. We had Kevin Davis recently. Great to see some of the former players taking part and giving their analysis. I know they've been very well received. I uh, should also pay tribute to uh, the people involved in helping to deliver that. You have uh, Andy, the long-serving cameraman, Steve, the commentator, Ollie, who's a, a volunteer. So some great work being done behind the scenes to ensure that we're delivering um, a good service. And I'd be really pleased with what we've uh, what we've been able to do. As you say, Andy, 1,500 logins, you know, that equates to around about 4,000, the attendance. Because mm. you look at the number of people watching one stream. So a household, you know, might have three, four or yeah, more people yeah. watching it. So I think that's a great figure. Uh, it gives you an indication of the interest in the club. And uh, obviously it always helps when you're getting good results. As we know, it's all down to the results. But uh, the appetite is, is clearly there. And uh, great to see that people have been supporting them. As well, we should mention, in terms of the match days, the, the food that's being delivered and collected from, uh, from the reception for the home matches. So great work from the, the conference and banking department. And also uh, the 50-50 draw, which again is giving some, uh, some decent income. And uh, we're getting thousands of people, you know, a thousand plus generally, buying those 50-50 uh, tickets, which I'm sure, uh, Andy, you'll be delighted when you see the, the payments coming through. All income streams are welcome, they really are, but uh, that's been a particular success. Yeah, 50-50. I mean, we've got the lotto online now, haven't we, Andrew? Um, yes. Has that in improved? Have we got yes. more people signed yes, we to have. the lotto now? Yeah, we have. We've probably got about 100 new people so far. We've only recently gone online with that. And uh, yeah. again, if, if you're not in Spy Lotto, I'd urge you to sign up. 
Well, Bridget, um, I'm sure she'll be having a push on that um, in the next week or two. Uh, yes, she will. I know we're going out outside of the stadium to, to various places. Yeah. You know, we, we, we have our, our football fans who have signed up. There are plenty of other people in Chesterfield who will be happy uh, to support Spy Lottery. You don't necessarily have to be a football fan, but uh, it's, yeah. it's available to all. So, yeah, I know Bridget's got plans to extend that quite significantly. Good, good. And, of course, there's so much more we can do when we can allow supporters back and we're looking forward not only to on the, on the pitch matters but of course uh, in the lounges as well some of the events coming up and uh, all great revenue for the club yeah i think um i was talking to maddie the conference and banqueting manager um just yesterday and she was saying that i think we've got 60 events booked in um after the 21st of june once we can start bringing people back in and the restrictions are moved um, she's got quite a few things that are coming in so yeah it's going to be a popular venue I think and um, we're gearing everything up as it is and, and Terry was talking to us about refreshing the lounges and such like yeah okay it may not be a, a priority for us now but over the coming weeks and months and, and into next year we will be looking at making sure that the venue is up to the standard that it should be. And longer term what are your thoughts about uh, the potential for future concerts at the stadium? Yeah, I know that uh, this is what uh, the team are looking at at this point in time, uh, similar to the concerts that we've had before, uh, and also um, you know different types of concerts as well. So yeah, we'll be looking at everything that we can to try and maximise our income streams. Yeah. As Terry talked about, um, you know, the, the need for 365 days a year for, for income to be coming in, and uh, that's vitally important for any club, not just yeah. to rely on the match day income. We have to generate it from uh, whatever source we can. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I mean, we've true. had some success with the um, with the meals that we've been preparing as well, you know, the takeaway Sunday lunches. Um, and um, prior to that, when we were able to, we actually put Sunday lunches on down here at the Technique. Um, and we'll be looking to do that as a regular thing, maybe twice a month once we can, um, so that we can try and bring people down here as much as possible. So overall, Andy, the financial picture at the moment looking uh, quite rosy. I know it's a it's yeah. a daily battle to uh, to uh, keep everything um, you know the, the straight and narrow in terms of the finances. But yes, we're in good shape. We're in good shape. I mean, uh, what we inherited is a million miles from where we are now. And uh, as Mike says, the budgets are nearly done for next season. And uh, yeah, all's looking well. The, the only unknown now is when the fans can return in their numbers, because I yeah. I for a fact know that there's going to be more than three thousand fans want to come and see the games you've said that with the streaming income you've only got to do the figures there we have plenty of fans out there the football's attractive it's a lovely venue and this place is being run by local people now it's a great recipe for success